Hey, MB. So quick question for you. In your entire life, have you ever had moments of feeling somewhat lost? Yes. Okay. Okay. What about, have you ever felt perhaps like too much choice, maybe overwhelmed with decision that seems like you can't get to your goals yet? Double yes. Double yes. What about, oh man, think about this one. Did you ever feel like you took a hard wrong turn? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. I think we're talking about our 20s. We've been there. We've been there. We've felt all of this and we felt more and we created something for you. We created something for us. You guys, our online program, Seven Weeks to Bliss, not six, not eight, seven weeks, it integrates all of MB and my favorite tools to really actually feel empowered to make a decision, to get into our bodies and really get clear and design a life that really rocks our bliss. Join us this September for seven weeks to bliss to intentionally carve out time for you. We are talking 90 minutes a week with the call and homework because you deserve it. It's so true. It's so true. We're like, oh, I'll do it later, but you won't. The time is now to really ask yourself, you guys, those real questions. And here's the thing. Don't let the questions linger. Allow yourself to answer them. Answer the big questions that you're wondering with the guidance and the delivery of our bliss tools to really support you in a radical community of women. During these transformational seven weeks, you'll receive a newly edited and updated seven weeks to bliss workbook, weekly videos, access to our private Facebook community, weekly calls with us, yoga practices, playlists, and more. So if you're ready, which we know you are, but check, you really go through your calendar, ask yourself, can I carve out 90 minutes for me? It's a commitment. And we do want you to finish. The last week is trust week. You got to make it to trust week. And so the registration is open now and we start September 4th. Let's go back to Bliss School together. Welcome Bliss Crafters to the Rock Your Bliss podcast. I'm so excited to have my friend Elizabeth Wade here, Dr. Elizabeth Wade, excuse me, on the podcast with us today. She and I met at University of Iowa many moons ago. She's from outside Chicago. I'm from a little farm town in Iowa. And her one of her good friends from school or from home was actually my roommate at school. And so we crossed paths at a very different time in our lives and luckily have reconnected. And I've been able to learn so much from her social media about hormone health, about health in general as she is a very knowledgeable and down-to-earth naturopath. So welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you. So um, I'm a naturopathic doctor, and I specialize in fertility and preconception, what I call preconception optimization, just so teaching women how to get their bodies in you know, the best position to have a healthy uh, pregnancy and to have good outcomes for both baby and mama. Um, I'm really passionate about that. I'm very passionate about educating women on the menstrual cycle and um, teaching them how to really understand their body and the signs that their body gives them each month in, and how to interpret those signs to under, have a greater understanding of their overall health. And so that's kind of my focus and practice. I live in the Pacific Northwest here in Portland, Oregon with my family. Um, I have a son and we, both my partner and I are from Chicago. So I have a satellite practice 
in Chicago as well, but my primary office is in Portland. And so I see patients here and there and both online as well. Um, I do virtual health consultants for people all over the world. So cool. So good to have you. Thanks. Busy lady. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, anyone with a kid is busy. (laughs) So (laughs) Yeah, no joke. (laughs) So Doc Wade, we always start with this question for every um, interviewee. For you right now in your life, what does the word bliss mean to you? Yeah, I love that you guys asked this question and I've really thought hard about it. And I think that I've really landed that for me, bliss is the times when I am so content that I feel there is no place else in the world um, or with anybody else I'd rather be. I'm a very much the type of person that lives in my head and my thoughts a lot of my life. Um, and I'm really actively trying to do less and less of that and really live in my body and the now. And so when that comes really easily, when I'm, you know, with really good friends or on a girl's trip or just really in the zone with my partner and I'm not in my head, I, I find that that is really when I'm like tapped into my bliss. Mm. It's gorgeous. I dare say, and what do you think about this, Doc? Like, you almost have to be in your body to experience bliss. Thoughts? I just took a note that you said that, and you're really in your body and you're able to be present. Do you, would you, what would you think of that statement? Yeah, I think that is really true because I think there's a big distinction between recognizing that our thoughts are not us. And so, I think once you kind of make that connection that your thoughts don't have to kind of rule and dominate your life, then you are, you know, more tapped into your inner self. And I think that's where bliss tends to unfold for people when they can really find their way back homes to themselves. Speaking our language. So true. Yeah, we just practiced yoga together in my yoga room via Zoom for our membership. And, you know, it was all about dropping, you know, being aware of our narrative and staying in our own business and noticing you know, those thoughts are going to come up regardless, but making sure that we're being really aware of what's steering our ship. Totally. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So important. So, so how did you get started in this world? Yeah, it was a very curvy path. It was not direct. I had never, ever in my whole life wanted to be a doctor. I was working in Chicago in the field of actually cultural exchange. I studied abroad in college and fell in love with travel and everything that comes with that living abroad experience. And so kind of not knowing what I wanted to do after undergrad, I just naturally went into that field following that that passion of mine. And I worked in that field for many years. And But I found myself doing all this self-study on health and nutrition all the time. You know, every book I read was about health and nutrition and When I started getting into yoga, mindfulness became a big part of that and tapping into like the mind-body-soul connection. And I happened to be on a yoga retreat in Costa Rica one year and I read, like eight years ago, I read this book called The Blue Zones Mm -hmm. and it totally changed my life, (laughs) that book. I was reading it there and when I learned about this phrase in Okinawa, Japan, which is one of the blue zones... They have this word ikigai that means your reason to live, your reason to wake up every morning. And I was kind of soul searching on that trip. I went by myself and I was kind of searching for like, what is, you know, what am I supposed to be doing? And then I just kind of made this connection. Like, this is 
what I wanted. This is what I'm spending all my free time doing is, you know, learning about health and nutrition and mindfulness and how do I make this my career. Being from the Midwest, you know, naturopathic medicine was not part of my vocabulary. I didn't even know it existed. And so I got home from that trip and I just started Google searching for holistic health programs. And and then I found kind of like the national organization for my profession online. And I watched a video and I was like, oh man, this is, this is it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was kind of, it was a really- <laughs> All like, from a book and a hammock. <laughs> yeah, seriously. How how long is the schooling? It's long, right? Yeah. I mean, I had to go, I mean, because I was a liberal arts major, so I had no science undergraduate courses. So I had to go do those all. I had to do all my (laughs) pre-med. So that was a full, I did an accelerated program for my pre-med classes. So I did them all in a year. And then it was five years of doctorate school after that. So six years. Yeah. That's amazing. It's a long road, but- you know, it's kind of like, I've heard you guys say this, you know, finding your hell yes. And that is for me, like people are like, you're going to leave your job and you're going to move across the country and you're going to go into all this debt. And I'm like, I don't have a choice. This is like, this is my yes. You know, it was so clear. Mm. So, so clear. So what a gift. Yeah, it really is. feel very lucky to have found it. You know, even though I was 30, that still feels young to me. So yeah, yeah. that's, that's a really good point to be made though, of like, it doesn't matter when your hell yes is worth yeah, it. Totally. Even if you, I mean, I cannot fathom doing pre-med classes in a year, but you do it because mm-hmm. it's your hell yes. Yeah. Right. It's like, I got to get this show on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my turning yeah. 30. I got to get there. I got to do this so I Let's can have a baby this. at some point this. too. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Learning about yeah. making babies. Make <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to get done, but you know, it, it all works out and it's been it's been such a gift I, lo- I absolutely love what I do it's it's such an honor to to get to work with people and really you know because I what I the type of medicine I practice it's not what most people would normally experience with a medical doctor it's like you know we really work on foundation shifting found big foundational pieces in life and really kind of changing the course of people's path so it's not for everybody but when people are up for that, for that task, you know, it's life changing. So it's really, really wonderful. Mm. So juicy. Let's talk. I want to hear more about how you work with people. So one of our questions we would talk about is speaking of hell. Yes. You guys, I want to say hell yes to the best period ever. (laughs) So first of all, how do you work with people and how do you have the best period of your life? Give us some insight into your knowledge. Mm -hmm. So, I love, I love this question so much. The menstrual cycle now is being called the fifth vital sign by most major um, health organizations. The fifth vital sign? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. your vital signs are your blood pressure, temperature, um, heart rate, respiration. You know, those are the four things you get every doctor's visit. The, the menstrual cycle is now nationally recognized as the fifth vital sign for women um, because it's such a big indicator of our overall health. So understanding, you know, I did not understand my menstrual cycle at all until I went to school. And it really wasn't even school that taught me. It was like an event in my life where I had to learn quick. And really diving into this work, like really learning to understand my cycle has been the most powerful thing that I have ever learned in, you know, all of my life as a human being, not just school. Um, It is 
you know, you can learn things from your menstrual cycle, you know, not just about your sex hormones, but about your thyroid, about your adrenal health, all, all types of things. So it's, it's really a powerful thing to kind of tap into. And a lot of people, you know, we just don't get taught. Like you go to the doctor when you're younger and most times you just get put on birth control um, for whatever reason, for contraception or just to regulate your cycles instead of really trying to understand like what's off balance. So mm-hmm. just by paying attention to your cycle, you know, there's not one cure for everybody because there's many different reasons why a woman's menstrual cycle could be irregular. So you can have estrogen dominance where you're making too much estrogen and that's the primary hormone in your first part of your cycle before you ovulate, or you could have a progesterone deficiency, which is the primary hormone in the second phase of your cycle. So those are two really big imbalances, but PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome is a really big condition that affects many women. It's like the number one cause of infertility in women when it's ovarian ovary related. Um, and that is a, you know, really shows up in your menstrual cycle either because you won't have one at all, you won't bleed, or they'll be really all over the board. So there's just a lot to learn, you know, and a lot of women think they have irregular cycles just because they have, they cycle, you know, they cycle, their cycles are different length each month, but unless, you know, the length is varying by eight or more days, it's not irregular. So there's just this big education piece that I find is really, really lacking um, amongst, you know, our, our culture about really teaching women, you know, what is normal, what is healthy, what are things to look for that need to be addressed. And then depending on what comes up, you know, the, the cure, I guess, or, you know, the treatment would totally differ based on what is actually at the root of that imbalance. So it really, it really depends. Um, But I would say the number one thing, you know, is starting with like, let's just learn about our menstrual cycle, what's supposed to be happening, and then take that. And then there's various types of treatments. But there's a couple of things that like overall are just good for everybody, sleep being one of them. And really, uh, regulating sleep has just... uh, you know, so many health benefits because our circadian rhythm, which, you know, is regulated by our sleep patterns, that affects all of our cortisol production, which is a hormone that really um, interplays with all of our sex hormones that are part of our menstrual cycle. And then melatonin has a big impact on our ovarian function. And melatonin is the hormone that's released at night when we go to sleep by the pineal gland. And if we're not sleeping in a dark place, if we have a lot of excess light coming in from the streets or devices or TV or whatever might be in our bedroom, then that inhibits our natural production of melatonin. So then it just messes up our whole cycle. So sleep is a really big one and a good place to start for everybody. But there really is no cure. One thing you said last time is like, well, when we talked briefly was that it's not normal to suffer. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that to me is such a big takeaway because most women I know, you know, I, I know women who literally cannot function during their period, whether it's endometriosis or just a really bad period. Yeah. Um, and same with, uh, PMS. I've had periods where it's been like that myself, but I think that was so interesting for me to know is that that's actually not how it's supposed to go. Yeah. That, that is a sign of an imbalance, right? Cause I'm just, always thought, okay, here's suffer time. Yeah. Time to suffer for a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a huge misconception that, um, it's really sad because 
I, you know, I think many medical doctors or, you know, just doctors in general tell, you know, I, I know this because I have patients and myself have experienced this where they just say, oh, it's normal to have pain. And it's not, um, you know, and with a healthy balanced menstrual cycle, there shouldn't be more than just a mild, very mild cramping, but not debilitating pain. And, you know, I think I shared with you before that it takes nine years on average for a woman to get diagnosed with endometriosis. So it's really a more systemic kind of cultural problem that we have with women's concerns not being really um, taken seriously and um, and treated in, in the medical system. And so, you know, it's so sad to me that women have to go that long, you know, almost a decade before they can receive a diagnosis yeah. and treatment for something that affects them every month severely. And, you know, men, many women become anemic, you know, they bleed so much that they lose so much blood that they're anemic. I mean, it, the effects are huge. And, you know, this is really a, a really big problem in, in our, in our culture. So yeah, there's a lot that can be done. And when, when you do get everything ironed out, like, yeah, the menstrual cycle should be pretty breezeful. No, not much PMS and not much pain. Breezeful. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. One of our friends, Lindsay Matthews, who we've interviewed here on the podcast, she just posted a story. They're not a story, a post of her dancing. And she's like dancing. And she's like, I love my cycle. I love my period. You know, and I saw that my husband actually pointed it out, but he showed me and I'm like, yeah, women, some women get to that space where they do. And I've had periods where I feel more creative. Mm -hmm. I feel more embodied. Um, I feel very feminine. Um, but, and that's, you know, having had that as an experience, it's like, okay, yeah, it's possible, but it does require, um, some shifts being made. And it really, yeah, it's like, it's two part. I think, you know, it's balancing the hormones and then on, you know, getting rid of the shame. There's so much shape, cultural shaming around bleeding every month. And so, Mm. you know, I mean, Mm. I grew up, hiding tampons, you know, I was told hide them. Like it was, you know, you were supposed to be ashamed. Like you don't want anyone to know you were bleeding. And so that is a big piece that also I feel like is now really being disrupted in our culture. You know, there's a lot more people really owning and loving their their bleeding time. But it's great. Yeah. There's I think it's twofold though, you know, both mental and physical and just really kind of learning to love that that phase. What app do you use, by the way, to track your period? That's one way. I don't know if this is like a great starter kit way, but I, I'm in that. I definitely grew up in that house. You guys, I got my period when I was young and I cried. I was embarrassed. And just like you, I would hide tampons. I would like hide being in the bathroom, all the things. And I think it is such an interesting unraveling. I, I I honestly am not at a place where I dance during my cycle yet, to be honest. And yet that sounds <laughs> amazing. And where would you start? Like start tracking to get to know your period. This might sound naive, but you were talking about like the different hormones. And honestly, like as a woman listening, I don't think I know my hormonal body that well. And so for someone like me who perhaps has stayed in some of my old beliefs, you know, tracking, like, do you have a great app? Like where, where does someone even begin? Well, there's a lot of great fertility aware. So fertility awareness is kind of the practice of 
and it's not so much about fertility. You know, it doesn't matter if you want to get pregnant or trying to get pregnant, ever care about getting pregnant. Just it's having the word fertility is more, you know, associated with your menstrual cycle, being aware of, you know, your fertile time, which is exactly what's happening with your menstrual cycle each, each month. So, and it's not, it's not like natural family planning or anything like that. So there's a lot of, I think, bad, bad I don't know, stuff around fertility awareness out on the internet, but, um, just having the, you know, so I use cycle tracking a lot, just, just starting to, I, I love pen and paper. So there's a really good Instagram handle called at fertility charting that it's all about like how to kind of learn how to chart your cycles. And I do fertility awareness training for my patients too. Anyone that's what I do. A lot of virtual consultants for or consultations for people, um, where I just teach them because it, it's a learning curve in the beginning, but once you learn it, it doesn't take more than like three minutes a day to kind of pay attention to the signs your body is giving you every month. So you're really just looking at ovulation because that's the primary you know, shift between when you go from one phase of your cycle to the next. So in the first part of your cycle, you're making estrogen and you typically tend to feel really creative. That's why you know at day one of the first day that you have a full bleed, that's day one of your cycle. And so that's when estrogen is starting to ramp up. And so you, you typically do start to feel really creative. And um, as you approach, as it ramps up in that first phase, it, you know, peaks at ovulation right in the middle of your cycle. And that's when you, you typically tend to feel like the most sexy and vibrant um, and nature designed it that way so that you would have intercourse and reproduce because biologically that's like what, you know, on a very fundamental basis, the menstrual cycles for, but then ovulation occurs and progesterone takes over. And so when, when you hit ovulation, before we move on, your cervical mucus changes. And so it goes, your cervical mucus will start out as kind of being like white and creamy like lotion. And then it turns into a very clear egg white, stretchy kind of viscous material where it resembles egg whites. And when you really start paying attention to your cervical mucus, you notice every month exactly when that's happening. And you'll see the shifts and you'll even feel it when you're, you know, wiping, going to the bathroom. It feels slick. The texture is very different. It looks different. It's, it's completely clear. Um, and that's when you're fertile. So your body just gives you that sign. I mean, your cervical mucus is a, that's the primary indicator of when um, you're fertile and when ovulation is happening. That's what's not required. That cervical mucus is required to have a baby. It's what helps the sperm get to through the fallopian tube to the ovary and, you know, to the egg and, um, it keeps this, it helps them swim. I mean, cervical mucus is, I could do a whole talk on cervical mucus. It's really complex and very interesting. Um, <laughs> and there's many different types and it has so many purposes. It's really actually fascinating, but that is a big piece. So that's a big sign. And then your temperature actually shifts. So if you also take your temperature every day with a basal body thermometer, which is just like two decimal points. Um, that's what that means. You'll see a very clear temperature shift when once you've ovulated, your temperature rises and stays higher than before you ovulated. And that's because progesterone is a dominant hormone that then takes over and that it's a thermogenic progesterone. So it actually raises your body temperature. So just by doing those two things alone every month, taking your temperature and charting your cervical mucus and just, you know, writing down when you menstruate, how many days you bleed and seeing, you know, how long is each phase, then you know, like you don't have to get a blood test because you see, you know, my follicular phase, which is the first half of your cycle when you're making estrogen, if it's super long, you know, you're estrogen dominant. 
you know, if your luteal phase is really short, which is common for women and a common cause of miscarriage or infertility, then you know you're not making enough progesterone to sustain a pregnancy. You don't need to go get a lab test and have them tell you that your progesterone is low because you know because you're charting your cycles every month. And so it's really powerful because it kind of takes the power back from like the practitioner into, you know, the individual's hands of like really knowing exactly how your body is doing month to month and what kinds of things affect your body because everyone's affected differently by travel, stress, infections. And so you can see that in your cycles if you, if you track them. So interesting. Yeah. So you said that sleep is really important. If we could give our listeners one or two things they could do today to start to balance their hormones more so. Yeah. Of course, seeing a naturopath is probably top of the list, (laughs) but what can they do on their own? Yeah. So supporting the liver is kind of my other big one um, because our liver is our major detox organ and pretty much has a hand in almost all things in our body. Like everything that we ingest, you know, air, water, food, if we take birth control pills, any, anything, um, anything, everything and everything that goes into our body gets processed by our liver. And so um, it's also responsible for metabolizing all of our hormones. And so if our liver is not working optimally, then, you know, we can have a lot of hormonal dysregulation happening. So um, a couple easy ways to do that is just cutting out, you know, this is hard for some people, but refined sugar and alcohol, um, you know, alcohol is very well known to be damaging to the liver and then, you know, refined sugar is as well. And, um, and then adding in, you know, if that's not something that is like something that you're ready to do at this time, just adding in a lot of liver loving foods, things like artichoke and beets and all the brassicas. So kale, cabbage, um, broccoli, things like that, garlic, onion, turmeric, those are all like really liver loving foods. Um, so making those a big part of your diet, and then there's lots of herbs. Um, with herbs and supplements, I I don't like to give like blanket recommendations because I do think they're very individual. But um, milk thistle is a pretty ubiquitously like well-known um, liver-loving herb that is pretty benign and safe for a lot of people. So I take that every day. Yeah. I love it. Um, so things like that, just really supporting the liver so that you can support a healthy hormone metabolism in your body. And then sleep. Um, which we talked about, you know, because it has such an impact on our ovarian function and our circadian rhythm. And it's just so, I think, uh, underestimated how important it is to get good sleep, you know, and especially sleeping in a dark room. So doing something as simple, it doesn't seem as simple the day that you decide to do it. It's actually quite a, it was quite a pain when we hung our blackout blinds in our bedroom, but it's, it's really, you know, an afternoon of like committing to go to Ikea, get blackout blinds or, you know, is hardware or something like that <laughs> yeah. and hang them up. And once you do, it just, it affects, I mean, sleeping in a pitch black, dark room with no light coming in and keeping your cell phone out of your room, no TVs in the room, like that affects your overall sleep, sleep quality so much. So that's a huge payoff for like a very small investment in time and money up front and not as hard as like making a big lifestyle change that you have to do every day. So that's a really good one. And, you know, go like with sleep, there's like sleep hygiene. I kind of counsel all my patients on just like the pillars of what makes good, good, what makes good sleep. So going to bed by 11, which again can be hard for people to shift, but if you can really get some support and making that happen for you, um, our body 
does so much detoxification and kind of rebalancing while we sleep. And so, you know, it's said that every hour before midnight is worth two hours. So, you know, if you can get to bed early, there's really a huge payoff physically for that as well. And then, yeah, I think those would probably be my top two. And then also just the envi- paying attention to environmental factors. So a lot of people aren't – more and more I think people are becoming aware of this, but there's things called xenoestrogens in things that are natural and synthetic. So, you know, in food that's not – in food that's conventionally grown um, or like non-organic meat and dairy, there's a lot of xenoestrogens that really disrupt our hormones. And then they're also found in a lot of chemicals that are in home products and beauty products and – anything that has synthetic fragrance, these things are really, really damaging to our overall health and hormones. And I think it's becoming more and more on people's radar, but I think that's a big piece that people will sometimes be like, oh, I'm eating organically, but their home is not really clean and organic in their home, especially if you're sensitive, that can be a, a big disruptor for some people. So interesting. Well, thank you so much. I learned a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm, I'm seeing a whole new world from a lot of what I'm seeing. <laughs> oh my gosh. I could talk about this stuff all day. It's so, it's so interesting. And, and also just taking it slow, you know, I mean, making these big lifestyle changes, like if, if anybody out there is like, oh my gosh, it's a lot to think about, you know, sleep and my home environment and all the, and my diet and all these things, like, it's why working with someone is really nice over time. So when I work with people, I, I like to, you know, kind of talk to them about that up front. Like if you're ready to make these big changes, you know, I'd like to work with you regularly, you know, over several months so that it's not all at once. Like you don't have to go do all this stuff today. It's just, you know, kind of know what's out there and try to make like one change at a time over, over time so that you're not overwhelmed and, you know, there's no rush to do it all right now, but but I think starting slow and, you know, having, I don't know, an uh, accountability buddy, you know, is always helpful for people. We always recommend an accountability buddy. <laughs> yep. We love that. Yeah. So where can people find you? Um, I, uh, my website is drelizabethwade.com and uh, my Instagram is the same, drdr.elizabethwade.com. And I have all my Instagram stuff just goes to my Facebook page. So I'm also on Facebook, but it's just the same content. And yeah, my friends, um, a couple colleagues of mine and I, we are putting together a program for fertility optimization as well. An online program that's going to be coming out sometime at the end of this year. That's going to be kind of like a membership program where you get access to content that kind of just helps. So since that is an area that I just love, there's so much um, natural medicine can do in terms of fertility and infertility. And so there'll be, there'll be that. And that is fertilityreclaim.com. That's our website and um, Instagram. So we have that program rolling out here soon in the near future for anyone who might be interested in that as well. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much. Learned. Have tons of help. We'll get to work on implementation. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Bye, guys. <laughs>